Welcome to Genius Leadership Podcast, where we discuss how to overcome everything as a leader. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighting mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders. We discuss their roller coaster ride of leading from their zone of genius and when they don't. If you find this show valuable, please subscribe and share it so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, Genius Leader, welcome to the episode with my guest, Matthew Breckett, who has over 30 years of experience in leadership positions from various countries, but also with a very different perspective and background than any of my previous guests. He has served in the Navy, uh, which several of my guests have, have done before, like Shane Korea, Shane Korea in the US and uh, Julius Davidson in the UK. But he has also been serving as the priest in a Catholic Church for two decades. So that experience is something very different that he can bring to the table when he is coaching executives nowadays. And that's also what Matthew is bringing to our conversation today. And our focus is on family, how you try to create the feeling of a family in a company. So you might have heard some of my previous guests talk about that on both parts of the spectrum. Some are striving to have that feeling of a family in their companies, while the other leaders whom I interviewed actually said that they don't want to have the family feeling because they never want to fire a family member. And this is what we're discussing with Matthew. The potential reasons why leaders want or don't want to create that family feeling within the company, potential pros and cons to that approach of creating the family feeling within the company. We also tap into Matthew's experience of actual families running businesses together. So when it is taken over by the second or third generation, or maybe it's the partners or siblings who are doing business together. So how does that dynamic of being an actual family affect the business and the other way around? So we're covering different scenarios there related to the family, but we also go to the individual. So what can we do to be more healthy, more sustainable individuals in our professional environment? What can we take from uh, Matthew's experiences from the careers within the army and within the church, where you're so mission driven that you don't switch off, right? You, your job is you 24 7. And this is something that entrepreneurs experience as well. We don't switch off, we, we are our business, whether we want it or not, whether we're trying to separate that identity or not. And uh, I really wanted to listen to what Matthew's experiences uh, are with that and uh, learnings that you can take into your practice and into your life. So let's just, without further ado, dive into the conversation. I hope you'll enjoy it and you'll reach out to Matthew if he resonates. I'll, as always, leave the links to his work in the show notes. So enjoy and see you on the other side. Matthew Warmest, welcome to the Genius Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. So great. I've been, as you know, I've been watching you for a while, listening to some of your podcasts, the great work that you do. And so uh, thank you for letting me be on the show, share the microphone with you and your people. Uh, it's a pleasure. And I'm sure that uh, my people, as you call them, <laughs> when the Genius Leaders will appreciate what we, we have to share today, because this is a topic I've touched, or a lot of leaders are talking about. And 
actually on this show, I had guests who are going both ways. So you'll have your opinions on the topic that we're discussing, right? And you'll you'll share your experiences. And I've had guests who who are on both sides of the spectrum of uh, how to run your company. So uh, we'll talk about that, but I just want to emphasize how uh, beautiful it is that we connected via LinkedIn. This is how we found each other and followed each other's journeys and learned more about uh, how we, uh, what what we do uh, through for our work and how we provide value. So just want to give another shout out to that platform because I'm having so many beautiful connections through it um, that I want to emphasize to all genius leaders listening that if you're not on the platform, experiment with it and try to. Uh, to find your way of uh, working with it because it's much more authentic than other social networks right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And at the same time, it's not purely professional where you just show your CV and that's it. You can get, build deep, authentic connections through it. So just a little side note to emphasize how much I appreciate that. So true. So true, Anna. We can go, you find people that just are so experienced then you can find people that we shared values in certain ways that you look at business or you look at leadership, and which is where, where we work. You know, for those of us that are in coaching and education and training, we come, we find just people that you never would have met. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, like meeting you and being able to connect, to talk, to share connections, share networks, and now share this conversation. So it is a, it's a great platform. All right, let's dive into the topic um, that we discussed or prepared for for our genius leaders listening today. And that is about running your business as a family or having this culture like we are a family within the company. You have your your stand on that. Where do you stand when you hear leaders uh, speaking like that? Right. I, I, where I stand is because of life experience, which happens to a lot of us, where we take positions because of what we've been through. And, I, I, and you're right. I don't want to say that that's the only position, but I think it helps enlighten the, the conversation. So let me, I'll give you a little bit about my background and where this fits in. So I, I was in formal religious ministry and I come from a large family. I'm the 10th of 13 children from small town, New England. And and then at an early age, I step into, into ministry, which in the, I'm Catholic. So in the Catholic world, it means I go to a seminary, which is a place where, you know, seminary comes from the Latin word for the seed. So it's a place where you cultivate the seed of spirituality and of, of vocation and of a career and all that. So just so that the understanding of that word is what a seminary is. So it's, it's kind of like a greenhouse where they cultivate people for, for ministry. And and so there, you know, that we always live in community. So I was in this part of this, it was a global organization inside the Catholic Church. You might hear of the Jesuits, the Franciscans, Dominic, these are all words that people may have heard over the last few hundred years. So I was part of an organization like that, that goes across the globe. And so you, inside of the church, you work for this organization that has a specific mission, whether it be in education and healthcare or any other things. So I, I was part of this group. And an aspect of it is that we live in community. So there is this very fraternal or family aspect to it. And so I was through 10 years of training, and then I was in the, for 20 years of ministry. During that part of ministry, I was also a military chaplain. I was a Navy chaplain in the United States Navy, where I served with sailors and Marines. And I bring this up because these are two very large, global, complex organizations <laughs> yeah. with very specific missions, and very specific principles and, and values. And, and in both of these, I would come across the word that we are family. And what I, my experience in myself, but my experience, especially when I observed in so many other people, is that 
when we use the word family, it, even if it's subconsciously, it brings up certain certain expectations. If we were to just think about, obviously, there's a lot of this. We know that there's a lot of dysfunction in family, as there's a lot of dysfunction in organizations. But but it also brings up this sort of expectations. There's certain expectations around the word family. There's certain needs that are generally fulfilled in family. There's certain boundaries that are different than professional boundaries. There's certain loyalties that are in family. I'm generalizing. We know that there's exceptions to this. And but when we think of, you know, when we think of the definition of a family, it's you know, two or more people that are brought together because of a commitment, you know, whether it be marriage or just a social commitment, birth or adoption. Now, it's understandable that in other organizations, like in, in church, for example, you know, there's this, whatever, there's sort of like this spirituality or faith that brings people together. And so they, we are, you know, consider themselves a faith family. Or in my case, it was part of a sort of like this religious family, a family of spirituality. And in the military, a family that's gathered around mission. But I go back to what the sort of the subconscious expectations that, that are set. You know, if we're a family, then then there's certain expectations that are going to be that are going to be met for me. There's certain needs that will be fulfilled. There's certain boundaries that we're going to have. There's certain loyalties. But really, that's not the case in, in institute. And if we bring this over to companies as well, it's not now. Why is not this not the case? At least in what I've experienced, and I've come across a lot of people that like I thought. You know, when, when something happens, whatever. I was in an organization that was very dysfunctional that had a, a certain aspects of a toxic culture. But that we were all blinded to in certain ways. And so there was ways of dealing with people that as long as you were kind of going with you were kind of playing the game, going, you know, going where everyone expected you to go and not rocking the boat, all was great. Then you were considered part of the family. <laughs> if you if you went through specific hard times, difficult times that weren't understood in that culture. You had special needs, special needs meaning whatever, you're going through mental health challenges, and you were maybe doubting, you know, if this was really my place, then all of a sudden you could be, or, you know, or if you went against the, the status quo and the way, the expectations, then you were sometimes set apart, mm-hmm. maybe not physically, but sort of like in the culture and, and seen differently. And that's where then people started to have this, this internal conflict and contradiction where like, but this, I thought we were a family. I thought we, were, we cared for each other. We were, we, were, we were willing to give our lives for each other. But it was almost like, yes, but only in certain cases, only if you, if you perform in a certain way. Conditioned. Yeah. Conditioned, very conditional. And so then, I, you know, and people then, people that were, that left this organization, a lot of them left very hurt because also because you left and it's, there was very there was a very culture cultures aspect <laughs> you kind of mm-hmm. and you left and so you then you were like never really people disconnected from you mm-hmm. now that is not the case nowadays there's been a lot of change but that's why I'm sensitive to this I suppose I became very sensitive to this term mm-hmm. because I saw so many people that said you know I thought we've always said that we were family but all of a sudden the way we treat each other internally and then when people leave that doesn't come across as as being family. And I saw that sometimes in the military and, and the military is a very specific culture and context, but, it, you know, in certain units and commands were like, we're family and this and that, but all of a sudden but there's certain, there's also certain professional expectations and certain norms and rules that when you don't live them or when you break them, well, there's consequences, whether that be in the, in the religious realm or whether that be in the military. And there's certain ways that you have to act. 
there's certain ways that there's consequences and things that have to be implemented, right? whether it be legal action against you or whether it be this or that. And then even just the way people treat each other, right? And I saw this in the religious realm and the, and the, in the military realm. You know, families, we're not always nice to each other, but generally there's, there's an underlying, right? We won't get into family dynamics. I was just saying the term, the term brings about this, this expectation that people have because of what family means, even though we know there's a lot of function. I actually can't help but think about the different meanings and emotions related to the word family, depending right. on the personal experiences of every individual, right? Right. When, you maybe have been in a family there where the dynamic was not the most healthy. Yes. Then you come into a company when they say we're a family here, that might be a negative experience. And right. my thoughts of like, I don't want to be a part of that. I, I have a friend in mind whose um, partner was joining a, a small a company where the owners the, who, who run the company said, we're a family business. Like we're on it as a family. We are a family to each other. And my friend reacted to that very negatively uh, because in their family, there are not that many boundaries. <laughs> and, and they were uh, worried suddenly, like, okay, my partner will like will have to work over time probably and uh, will not have personal mm-hmm. space, so to say because of that family and lo and behold that's how it was and the partner didn't stay in that company for very long Mm. because uh, they were treated poorly and that's the thing like okay you bring that connotation of family (laughs) into the business environment and um, it can be very different how it's perceived but also how it's translated into action what i'm thinking what you were saying now with those expectations we can't put expectations on each other without calling it a family, right? We we are entering some kind of contract. Yes, it's legally when, when you go into employment, but also social contract. Why do we need to bring the family perspective into it when we can have an agreement with each other on what kind of values, what kind of set of behaviors are okay in this context? So why do you think, Matthew, people bring, especially leaders, bring this conversation of like, we are a family here. So what is the motivation for them? Yes. I re- before I answer, I want it's so insightful because, you know, I was leaning more towards the, the positive expectations that people have when they hear the word family. But what you brought up is so true. Depending on your experience of family, you, could, you know, that word could trigger a lot of negativity around mm-hmm. assumptions, around expectations, around what you experience because because of the family structure that you come from or your family experience. So, but going back to your question, I think I think family because it's just sort of like this generic term that for a lot of people will will brings about positive some sort of positive sensation or positive connotation around that we are united. We're united around a goal. We are united around values. And we're all here for each other. It sounds nice, but when work, is, you know, in companies and organizations, when it's very much a professional transaction, it, um, there might not be, you know, you, a company, an organization, a team, a department might not be able to really follow through on. If the word family creates a lot of positivity in people around an emotion, or like, oh, this, you know, this is what family means, but the, you might not be able to follow through. And then you set up, you're setting people up for maybe some frustration, discouragement, being let down because you, by saying family, you don't know what people are assuming. You might, you know, you're setting maybe these 
un, unachievable expectations that people then are, will, be let, will be let down. You don't know. So I think people use the word family because of that, because of, it can have a positive connotation for many. Mm. But at the same time, in my view, it's just, it's an unrealistic term that sets up unrealistic um, expectations around what needs are going to be met, what boundaries there are, you know, whether the loyalties, you know, and I've heard a lot of times with family, you know, you know, we're always family. So we're always, even if we don't get along, we're always going to be there for you. In, in many cases, right? that, that happens a lot. That doesn't happen in the professional world. And another reason why this topic came up to me, and I, cause I've been thinking about it for years, but a, a good friend of mine who worked at a very a, a massive tech company, and I shared this thought with him. I said, what do you think about this? And he said, yeah, because when I, when I joined, when they hired me, they, everything was about family. Everything was, was about family and everything was about, you know, the team, the department, and the, that we were all family. And within a year and a half, because of they were cutting a lot of people, he was let go. And he was let go by, through just a very dry email that went out applied to a lot of people. And he was disconnected from all the systems and, and that was it. Right. <laughs> and so that, that it resonated with him. It's like, you know, it's so true. That's such a huge topic because it is, you, you know, they sort of create this hype around that we're family and we're not, it fun, might work on, on the, on the front end, but then when it comes down to the back end of, of business and it could, um, it could not be a healthy term to use. What I'm interested in, you do work with, businesses that are actually families as well so mm-hmm. family-run businesses right <laughs> where maybe several generations are involved together or it was started by someone and then their kids take over or and then even maybe grandkids i know as well people in my network who are third generation within the business and uh, maybe they start family offices or look to invest in the other companies or acquire whatever it is so how is the dynamic there and what would you suggest uh, there or what do you observe for that? Do they separate the dynamic of them as the family to, from them as the business partners, employer, employee dynamic and so on? Or does it kind of weave into each other and what are the pros and cons with that dynamic? No, there's <laughs> so many things, you know, even from your experience, my experience about people we know and people we deal with that could be talked about here. There's, let's see when and I think in family, but some family businesses just they function really well. I've, and a few come to mind where the it wasn't an automatic automated thing that the children, you know, or other people very close to the family that they just inherited the business. They had to earn a place in the business, which meant they had to start at the bottom, and they had you know and they had to get educated and then work their way up and earn their positions, which I think is is a healthy way for many reasons to 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 have a business. And there's other family businesses where, you know, children are, are brought in and they're given positions. Yeah, sure, they've gotten the education and they know the business, and, but they're given these positions. And that can go negatively for a few reasons, whereas, where the children all of a sudden have this, this entitlement, sense of entitlement, even if subconscious. But also the people in the business, they sort of like, you know, it's a credibility thing. And you, you want to set people up for success. And if you were putting your children in positions thinking they might not, where they'll be perceived as not having credibility, having earned those positions, then they're in a difficult position from the very beginning of, of leading others. Now people will go with it because they know that it's a family-run business. So that's another thing I've seen in family-run businesses is, again, putting the wrong people in the wrong positions. And 
because that's who we have as a family. <laughs> There's not much of a selection process. Like this is who we got. And so these are the positions that where we want our family members. So, you know, are we playing to their strengths? Do we, do they want to be in that position? Is this what they're really good at? Or is more like, this is who we got. And we want to have family representation on all of these levels. So, and again, I'm generalizing because there's, I know very well-run family businesses. So what makes them uh, well-run? I think part of it is, it's also when the, part, I think part of it was I've seen people that where the children have to earn their position, where they have to work hard to get where they're at. It's not just given to them. But there's sort of an agreement from a young age that, all right, you know, this is our family business. This is our expectation. You know, if you want to be part of it, then this is what you need to do. And then, the, and then the, the children do that, and they they're well prepared, and they're and they're putting the you know, and and they do well. Mm-hmm. I think when they're just given these roles, and then like we said before, the lack of in a family-run business, there can be a lot of ambiguity around roles and ambiguity around boundaries. Another thing that I've noticed as well is, you know, when it's first or second generation or third, it kind of goes in waves, but since you inherit a business, and you are generally you can also inherit a lot of power and money that you didn't really work hard to earn, then you you don't necessarily always appreciate it. You don't value it because you don't know how much it took to bring right. it. And so you can really get very comfortable. You can lose sight of what the, what are the values and principles of our business, of what we do. You can sort of disconnect from the day to day, which I've seen, because you can it's, it's it's you can live a pretty good life, right? but on the on the waves, you know, on everything else that your parents and your grandparents did. And that's where a lot of family businesses, I think, have lost traction or even just gone bankrupt mm-hmm. because of the irresponsibility of the offspring. But if, I think if they weren't be, prepared you know, well, sorry, but if they weren't prepared well, then it's, it's also about people, parents and grandparents preparing their offspring well to take those positions mm-hmm. and select them well for their positions. But yes, go ahead. I just wanted to say that I actually have uh, seen the examples of when the person the newer generation is coming in and they do earn their position and they do want to bring some innovation into the company. And it can go both ways. I've seen both actually, where the founder of the company who might be the father or the grandfather, grandparent, um, are very open to that and saying like, yeah, go ahead. We do need new blood. We do need to uh, continue evolving uh, together with the world. And they give the full power um, to the new generation to to steer the business in a, in a new way. But then it, there, sometimes it does go the other way. And the person says, no, this is just, that's not how I've done the things here before. It, it worked like it was, why would you change it and stuff like that. So, mm. And there, I think the power dynamic of the family can come into play a lot as well. How are you parenting your kids is right. reflected in how are you taking care of the business together mm. across generations. Right. That, if you give a lot of freedom to your kids to explore, to to figure things out themselves, um, then you probably will have the same freedom for them within the company when they take over parts or a whole company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and similarly, when you are this overbearing parent controlling and so on, that might be a bit difficult. And I have seen examples where the next generation would take over, but then step down from the CXO position, for example, CEO position, uh, because of lack of that freedom. And their vision cannot come true because the 
they are limited by the the founders of the company who are part of the family. And they're like, okay, I cannot steer the ship in that direction because I don't believe in that direction and they need to step step down. So there it's an interesting thing how we translate the dynamic within the family into the dynamic within Mm. the company. Yes. So insightful. Yes. And I've seen that. I was dealing with a few companies recently where the children wanted to do all these things, but they were a bit stifled by by the dad or the you know the one who would start because and it's their little you know going back to family it's their little baby that company and so they've they've grown it they've worked so hard but it gets when it grows to i think another thing that we want to take into when it grows to a certain point you know the processes systems that they've set up might work to a certain point when it once it grows beyond that then all of a sudden those structures processes and standards and everything all of a sudden are suffocating mm-hmm. innovation suffocating growth and then it's just, but then the children feel like they want to do stuff, but the dad or the mom or the parents don't want, really want to listen. Like you said, they want to, there's this controlling element, very understandable for many reasons, right? But it, um, it stifles innovation, stifles creativity, it can breed a lot of discontent, a lot of dysfunction, just a poor culture. You know? And then, then that can really overflow into family dynamics where people just don't get along. And this, so it's, it's so important. I mean, this family is, in my, you know, I see family as, as a foundation of society. Right? And so it's always hard for me to see when families go through hard times or when families don't function properly or this mix, mixture of things from, you know, from business getting into family life. And then, you know, and then when power and family is, you know, power and money is very involved in families also just, there's a lot more conflict and potential conflict. And, mm-hmm potential family division which is always sad sad to see right how families can break up over over these things so it's really and i think when people start a business they don't think about it and they're not meant to think about it all these all these things right when a company grows they just they do it because they love either they're passionate about a product or passionate about a company or they're passionate about you know their mission they're passionate about family and leaving something to the children so they don't necessarily think about the bigger picture which is understandable Mm -hmm. I suppose what we want, what we're trying to get out there is that, you know, think about the bigger picture, set up standards and processes and policies, things that will help your company grow to the point that you want it to grow at. And kind of think about how big do we want to be? And we need to set things up so that it can get that big. And we want to get people into the right positions who are well prepared and that will facilitate that growth and that, that won't necessarily stifle it. You know, and, I've, and we always have to be careful with, you know, power and money. You know, they're all, all those are wonderful things and they're all wonderful things to be part of our human experience forever. But at the same time, they can distort, you know, they can distort things. You know, I was with a family owned business recently that really, it sounds like the people that are all involved, which are direct family and extended family, it all becomes about the money. And then they're forgetting about why they exist as a company and what their mission is and what they're really trying to do. And so they're going after the money. And I think and then when you have people under them, you know, that aren't part of the family, I think just, it depends on what message is. Is that the message that you want to send to your people? You know, and maybe people didn't join your company really because they were just going after the money, but they wanted to be a really well-run company and business. But when you're going, you know, and I know people in that business, so when they see that you're going after the money, then all of a sudden you're just making poor leadership decisions around the way you care for people. You know, you're not... Generally, in this context, they weren't, they're not taking good care of their people. They're not making smart decisions because money is not a problem, right? It doesn't matter if they lose a few million here, if you lose you know, and earn a few million somewhere else. 
but it can turn a lot of people off because of this, you know, this isn't the organization I, I want to be part of. We're just going after money. We're making poor business decisions where um, this is affecting our people, you know, and we're not even, maybe we're not even compensating our people really well for the work that they do. We're not taking our people into account in the way we make decisions. So it's, you know, sort of off the cuff decisions, a lot of different things. I'm throwing all this out there just for our audience to kind of, people can take what they, what serves them. And that's interesting. This, this is something I've seen or said something that we're living. So I, I do, I, I was reflecting on what you're saying right now, thinking that we don't have a strong position, like, okay, we go against running company as a family. But what we're discussing right now is more to give different points of reference, like, what do we mean by that? Uh, Mm. And I was in a beautiful call today where you discussed uh, belonging and identity and things like that with the people uh, talking, speaking of LinkedIn, with whom I connected through the platform. And we were having those beautiful conversations that are very insightful, very uh, thought-provoking. And uh, we discuss that the the semantics matters so much we we discuss like this question of where are you from and uh how complicated the question can be (laughs) for someone uh, these days because we we might be born in one country have a passport and nationality of the other have lived outside of that born uh, country for more than there and it could be seven ten countries (laughs) on the count so how do you answer that question where are you from Uh, and we discussed what could be the other options and there is a ted talk about uh, that suggests the question where are you local and how that could be uh, a more a deeper question to ask right. to connect to a person on mm. a, just instead of putting them in a box and stereotyping uh, how you can actually build a connection with them. And I said that to me, local is maybe I wouldn't call myself local here in Reykjavik, but if I would be asked, where do you feel like home? Reykjavik would be on the list. So that's really so much of how does the person re- perceive the question and the ter- the words within that. So mm. this is what I want to bring to the conversation here. If you do want as a leader to run your company as a family, be clear on what does it mean? Don't say we are family here in your recruitment process, because that could be a something super positive, but maybe more negative for someone. If someone comes from a dysfunctional family where there was abuse, for example, or something like this, that could turn off right. person, right? And suddenly you lose a, a potentially fantastic employee because of that, because they think, oh my God, here people will be abusing me. Right. I'm not going to be part of it. So think about it. If you want to run your, fa- your business as a family, what does it mean? And translate it into those clear sentences that are much more difficult to misunderstand and misinterpret. And that's something that you mentioned already a couple of times, Matthew, about the values, right? Mm. Expectations, what we bring when we talk about family, the loyalty that we're here for each other and so on and so forth. So make it more nuclear, the definition of what does it mean? To, to be here as a family, that we support each other, uh, we're there for each other no matter what, whether it is about the loyalty, whether it's about like we're having fun and so on and so forth. Break it down into those nuclear things and mm. discuss them instead of using this generic term that can be mis- misinterpreted. Mm. So true. So it is. And in the end, I think in any organization, you want to really spell out what our values, what our principles, what our expectations, what our, what's our goal, what's our vision, what's our mission. I, I say this a lot to people that I, you know, educate and I coach is the greatest, one of the greatest gifts you can give your people is clarity of communication. And going back to what you said, you know, the word family can have a lot of ambiguity around it or it can be misinterpreted or misunderstood depending on where you come from. 
but to your point, you know, and the question that you brought up, so uh, such a great point about, because it's very related to family, is belonging. As human beings, we all want a sense of belonging. And I think that also might be what the word family brings up. Because mm. generally, the general sensation is that when I'm with family, I know that that's where I belong. By not, not everyone's experience, but generally, but it brings up that sensation of belonging. And as human beings, this is what, this is what we want. That's why a lot of the diversity, equity, and inclusion spaces, then they also add through the lens of belonging, because in the end, that's what it's about. We want people, you know, in a team, in a department, in a company to feel that they belong. That means that they are seen, that they're valued, that they're listened to, that they're recognized, that they're appreciated. And I always add, and that people receive feedback. <laughs> It's a, another great gift for people, and it's another need that we, we want to know where we stand. That doesn't, and that doesn't always happen in family, but, it, but also we're bringing this down, you know, so we're break, breaking down what does family mean, you know, to not really use that term, but what's the underlying principles and values that we're trying to live and to really know how to communicate those and not just lean on a, a sort of an easy term, which is we are family, which is very ambiguous and might not mean it might mean a lot of different things to your people. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for us? And I love what you said, you know, belonging really. All right. What does belonging mean here? But we know because of it, it's a professional transaction that there's also expectations. And when expectations aren't meant, there's also consequences and don't take it personally because it says we're not family, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a professional transaction. And then when, if this isn't the right fit for you, whether it doesn't align with values or behaviors, or you're just not performing properly, then we'll show you to the door and we'll do so in the most respectful manner possible and clear with a lot of clarity of why it's not working out and you go on your way and we go on our way. Yeah. I was thinking about it. I recently talked to some leaders who had to let go of quite some uh, employees in, within their company because they, in the current investment uh, climate they couldn't raise their next fund and they just really need to take measures to uh, protect the interests of the shareholders and that meant letting go of some people and we didn't go into the family dynamic uh, with them but I know that they don't run their company as the family and uh, I think that was much easier way to do it of course it's still difficult because they put a lot of effort into making it a good experience and a good healthy workplace for everyone but imagine saying to your kid coming home and saying like, hey, dude, uh, my salary was cut. So sorry, but you need to leave <laughs> right. another family for yourself. You don't do that to the kids, right? Right. But that's what we do to our employees because yeah, the employee is not the core interest of a company. In the, mm-hmm. You can care as much as you want and as you, uh, as a human being and as a leader, but ultimately your interest is not the employee especially if you have some uh, external financing and uh, mm-hmm. involved in your company. Right. So think about it as well. How, how do you, what do you put yourself up to when you use the word family without breaking it down into what does it mean, right? To yeah. those nuclear statements and what kind of, how do you take those tough decisions right. as, um, as, the, as the leader when, when it comes mm-hmm. to firing someone because of our performance or like when you don't have the money to to pay their salary right yeah in the end it is about the bottom line but in, in the family it's not oh, it's not about the bottom line but there's other elements involved but what i do i think something that i've seen in, in the workforce in the recent decade there is a more there's more interest for caring for people and i see that mm-hmm. as a very positive 
trend right in the workforce. But I think there's a, there's an upside and a downside to that. But I see it as very positive. We're trying to, you know, well-being in the workplace, caring for people a lot more. But it's, you know, so positive. Now, I think what we have to be careful with is, because I've seen this in some organizations, is we can become very soft then, you know, where maybe about expectations, about consequences, about mm. who we are, you know, we we can become soft or or people, we create the sense of entitlement in our employees that all of a sudden my organization that I work for is supposed to take care of everything for me, solve all my problems. And I think, no, that's in the end, it's a professional transaction. Now, it's wonderful that we want to take better, we want to provide a better atmosphere, we want to provide a better environment, better culture, we want to take care better. We want to really look at the person and understand their context and if there's personal issues or family issues that they have access to resources or whatever. Wonderful. But also in the workforce, it can create the sense of entitlement that, that I deserve all of these things. And even if I don't perform well, I'm still going to get all of these things. So again, upsides and downsides to all of these things. And I go back, I want to go back for a second to, you know, the faith background and, and military is, again, those are very unique lifestyles where it's, it's very much all encompassing, right? No, the normal job is whatever you have a schedule but you're not expected to work you know outside of that schedule even a lot of people do that's a topic for another another day but there's these sort of it's a trend and so you walk away from work and you go back into you step back into who i am my life my personal life in my you know in ministry and and oftentimes in the military the ministry definitely it was you were on 24 7 and it was just and I think there's uh, there's wonderful aspects about this, but there's also unhealthy aspects about that. So the, really, the lifestyle is all encompassing. So that's why I think the whole thing about family and other it, why it maybe had a deeper sensation when it wasn't lived out. Mm. Why it was more hurtful because the lifestyle is all encompassing. You don't have another life on the side. In the military, still people have their own personal lives, but again, what the expectations are? It's really it's a very all encompassing mission. That you're, you know, you're always on, not always on duty, but you're pretty much, you know, you wear the uniform. And so it's, it's a, it's a lifestyle that really consumes you for whatever, for 20 years or for whatever time you go in. And so I think that's why also the, the, the hurt can go deeper when, when the way, when you look at the way you're dealt with or, or, the, or this or that, because people, well, because you're giving a lot more, if I could say it like that, you're giving a lot more in these environments. And so there's, there can be a lot more hurt when you're when you are hurt or when you're not treated properly or you perceive that you're not treated properly or there's injustice. So, anyways, that just came to me as we've been talking around, especially those environments which are much more all-encompassing and there's not a very clear boundary between the personal and professional. I really appreciate that you mentioned that, Matthew, because I just wanted to go into that. You have this quite unique experience of both. Uh, the uh, the servant leadership within the church, right, and then going into the military and 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 serving there, working with the sailors and uh, the navy. Those are, as you say, all encompassing environments where I would say it's a lot about like identity, right? What what you do for work is your identity. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't switch it off, right? As a pastor. You're mm. on 24-7 because you have people around you and your job is about making people uh, like come home to themselves, right? Through mm-hmm. the, the God and you are the channel for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might might be using wrong terms <laughs> professionally, but I'm just uh, like, see how I see the religion uh, for myself, right? When when it's it's done in a healthy way. So I could draw a lot of parallels to the 
entrepreneurs with that. Mm, that what you do is your identity, right? And that's why you don't switch it off. It's so difficult to do it. I know it myself. I'm not building a startup with like a lot of ambition of scale or stuff like that, but I don't switch it off. And just um, last week, I recorded an episode about uh, my burnout because of this, that how difficult it was for me to switch off that track of like, okay, how can I integrate that into my business? How I can bring value to my audience or my clients through this uh, experience of myself, of whatever I do in my personal life and so on and so forth. So with that in mind, I would like to ask you, what were your learnings about that? Either how you lived with being a pastor 24-7. So how can you do it in a more sustainable way? What are the maybe tips, tricks, mind shifts that help (laughs) navigate that in a healthier way for yourself? Or maybe even some beauties of that. So of course it's challenging, but what what were the positive things of, of that identity? Thank you. So many, yeah, so many positive things and so many challenges. Uh, let's try to piece this, take this apart a little bit. I think also it's, culture is so important. In other words, the invisible elements that are there that, that create expectations. And I'll use like, some examples, right? even just in, in companies and corporate world as well, is with these, these invisible expectations that you are, the more you work, the better you are and the more you will be rewarded. In other words, that there's less boundaries that you're working overtime and not being compensated for. But it's like, there's this expectation that you do that. I saw this in the military and sort of in the environments that I was in. I say it because a lot of these invisible things that create around identity. We are, I am my work. I am what I do, right? And I am the uniform I wear. And so, and the more I do this, and sort of the more dedicated I am, if I were to say it like that, and less balanced I am, <laughs> mm-hmm. more positively it is seen. That, that, as human beings, that works for a little bit. But when you bring, you know, you, you spread that out over 10, 20, 30 years, this, there could be some very serious consequences around burnout. In my personal life, I, I went through burnout, but part of it was because I was I was around, you know, a very high performing individuals. So this is the way it's meant to be. And so that's what I was striving for. And it was, you know, it's sacrifice and it's give and it's go and it's serve and it's don't. And then, it, you know, in those environments, it's like, in the less you think about yourself, the better, right? Self-care is considered selfish, right? So there's a lot of distortions. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing is also how they prepare. So in the military or in, in ministry, there's right, like the, there's this, Education and preparation, which in my view is can still always be improved, you know, and I'll focus on, on, on the ministry side is um, where well, things are, there's a very strong emphasis on spirituality and on faith and on duty and on obligation and not often on, on other ele- important elements of the in- integrality of the human person. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're, you're led to disconnect from certain things of your humanity. Not because you're told to, it's just unconsciously that's what it leads to. And so you're really not, that's why it's, you know, integral formation or, or holistic training and education and formation for people in these types, in any, in any line of work, I think is important, but also, but especially in these lines of work, people that are, you know, whether doctors, nurses, ministry, very service-oriented people, I think this holistic formation and education is so important because we will disconnect and really not care for many aspects of our humanity over years. And then we will be handed a very expensive 
built and which we don't know where it came from or like <laughs> so in my own personal life so you know i so i you know this, you're in this culture so you go 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 and you give 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 and while i in the, but i was leaving a lot of parts of myself behind and i wasn't dealing with them and i wasn't so there was a lot of build up over years where i just so slowly crashed and burned and then and so there's a lot of guilt around that because you're like this isn't supposed to be happening to me where you know i'm not performing the way i, I want to perform the way it's expected the way you know the way i should be right this is all the the shirting on ourselves as they say right and so it's, it was very this is a huge crisis identity for me crisis identity because you know um i don't have the energy that i used to have i can't um my life is falling apart and because it's so all-encompassing i was this you know this confusion around who am i all right i'm a catholic priest but i'm I, but i'm also in conflict with this lifestyle because i'm just sort of crashed and burned and i and i also felt like no one you know there i was crashed and burning and no one really knew what to do with that right and so people just kind of either walked by or just kind of stood around and really didn't because they didn't know what to do because there was a lot of missing elements of our humanity we didn't know how to deal with what real people go through it sounds contradictory because that's what in ministry we deal with the reality of people but amongst ourselves we didn't know how to do what to do with that Mm-hmm. And, and then it's not, and I'm not trying to blame other people. It's, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to talk about it. I didn't know how to deal with it. But, you know, vulnerabilities wasn't a thing, you know, dealing that, that sort of honesty. While I was always there for other people, I didn't know how to process things on my own. And that were, they weren't muscles that I had exercised. And I think that's also a danger of people in the service ministry or in just where we get on that train of giving and doing and serving and that, that we don't have the ability to look at ourselves and to deal with mm-hmm. ourselves. And then so, so my part of my personal story is that is that that burnout experience, and then this huge crisis around who am I, and and then my identity, which, and it took years to to work through. So, I'm not sure if that's where you wanted to go with this, but you brought up you know your own experience of burnout, and then this entrepreneurship that we could also talk about. But I think culture is really important. How we train and educate people, mm-hmm. I think more holistically, the culture that we're part of that it facilitates that we can. Be human, deal with ourselves, but with all the clarity and expectations and all that, but give ourselves permission. I just think as much, all those two elements, I think are much more, we'll give for a greater aim for preventive maintenance rather than crisis management. And the general sense is often, and I've seen this so often, whether it be, you know, and, and I'll refer just to ministry, is people, they give, they give, they crash and burn, and then they're sort of left to the side. You no longer are useful. And then when that happens in the business world or corporate world, sometimes that's just what people expect, right? Because it's a transaction. But when it happens in other environments where you think that there's other, you know, values around the dignity of the person, who you are, and you kind of have a higher expectations as well around how you're going to be treated. But in the end, there's also sort of like this, yes, utilitarian element. You were useful. Now you're not. We'll find more people to take your place. Right? And that can also happen in the military It's because it's all about mission, right? And if you don't no longer serve the mission, well, then you put it off to the side. But it's how we, how we do that process of putting people off to the side. How we, you know, and, and it's where it doesn't, it's not like you are no longer valuable as a human person. It's just because of what we do and who we are. But how, but how do we care for you? So anyway, there's so many kind of different things that I've thrown out there. <laughs> there are. And uh, I'm just thinking we could go 
10 different ways. And I'm sure there will be like people who will reach out to me later. Like, I would so have loved you to go deeper into that thing that met you that. And then the others would be like, why didn't you go deeper into that thing? <laughs> so now it's, it's a bit of a challenge of how do we, uh, which, which element do we pick up here to continue? I think what comes to me a lot is that balance between the, the mission, how do we drive the mission forward, which is the, the ultimate goal of the company's organizations mm-hmm. in some shape or form. How do you balance that with not leaving people behind in an unfair way? Right. right. Yeah, unfair and humane. Yeah. I want to use, I use the Marines as an example. There's so many positive elements about their culture. And one of it is we, we never leave anyone behind mm-hmm. right, in the combat area. So, and they train to carry their fellow Marines right out of combat. It's just part of what they do. And they will give their lives to make sure they don't leave anyone behind. And I think that there's a, there's a beauty in that. And I think there's something inspirational in that. And if we could bring that into other organizations. And what I want to add to this is it's really, it's, it's the way we do it. And I think a lot of times where we let ourselves down as human beings, maybe not the what, but it's the way we do things. And that's why I say, you know, the way we, the way we do things, the way we say things, timing is important, the manner in which we approach things, you know, and having those important conversations, critical conversations, difficult conversations, they have to be had, but it's the way we have them so that a person, even though what you might be talking about is hard to hear, but the person, the underlying message is that, that we do care, is that one of care and concern, even though the conversation is hard. So the way the conversation is had and the way someone is dealt with, we do it with utmost dignity for each person. And I think if if we can do that better, there's a whole other tangent I could go on around, just I think the crisis of dignity of people, the way we deal with each other, <laughs> the way we talk about each other, the way we talk to each other, the way we do. That's why I go back to the the form, the way. We, you know, we, do, we might have to, you know, we, we don't want to, we want to be clear but we also want to be respectful. And respect is about this ability, you know, from the Latin word, it's this ability to see the other person. And I think this beautifully uh, comes to full circle from the beginning of the conversation about the running company as a family. So what we ultimately want is to emphasize by that, that we're here as humans and we want to create a positive experience for the human, even though we care about the bottom line of the company. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what we need to emphasize in our talk about the family context when we run our right. companies. So maybe this is the sh- mind shift we want to leave our listeners with today. Dear leaders listening to us, when you want to run your f- business as a family, it's really about the human connection and the human experience. And what Matthew is talking about, the dignity here and about staying in that uncomfort of going through the conversations that have to be had for the sake of the good of the of the individual of the person mm-hmm. um, even if that's slowing down us as the company that that is what we want to bring and that's what we mean by the family so maybe that is the shift in the conversation that would be wonderful to see what do you yes. think Matthew? yes anna so insightful of you the mind shifter as your title says here <laughs> and that you're able to Everything that we've talked about, which we've gone all over the place, there's, I suppose, this, as you said, there's this underlying topic of the dignity of the human person, how we see people, 
how we deal with people, that sense of belonging, right? Which is what the term family can can bring up and stir up in a lot of us is we all want to feel that we belong. And I go back to those basic needs that we have as human beings. We want to be seen, we want to be listened to, we want to be valued, appreciated, recognized, and we want feedback. These are all very basic but almost transcendental needs and, and gifts that we can give our people, whether that be in our personal lives or also in our professional lives. Beautiful. Matthew, thank you so much. I think there was so many nuggets that people can reflect on and yeah. ponder upon and bring the conversations into the forums wherever they could have those conversations. I hope you all genius leaders have those outlets where you can bring the thoughts and say, hey, on this podcast, I've heard Matthew talk about his experiences in the ministry or in the Navy. And this is what I think about it in the context of my company. What are your thoughts on that? Or this is something I need to process thinking at you, as I like to say. So I hope that you have those outlets where you can bring those thoughts and reflections and uh, ponder upon. So maybe thank you so much for providing so many insights and points for deeper reflection and retrospection. And Thank you, Anna. Thank you for the opportunity. It's, it's, been, it's been delightful. And like you said, we've, we've sent, we've given a lot of people to say, we haven't really resolved anything. And I didn't come to this conversation thinking we were going to resolve anything, but it's more giving people things to think about and, and yeah. to apply in their own lives. Absolutely. And this is what I usually want to to provide here, that um, Seth, there are no right and wrong answers, right? It's more about right. yours and not yours. So this is always the the prism through which I want the listeners uh, to approach the conversations I'm bringing here to the show. So genius leaders, I'll drop a link to the Spotify playlist that Matthew has. I'm just writing it down for myself with massive number of interviews that Matthew has had as a guest on different shows. I think it's a brilliant idea and I stole it for myself as well. But if you enjoyed uh, the nuggets of insights and reflection points from Matthew, uh, go to that list and, and listen to his conversations with other hosts on their uh, their shows because there are a lot of different points there about the journey to coaching and mm-hmm. so your thoughts on diversity, equity, inclusion, and all the other topics. So mm. genius leaders, check that out. And as always, thank you for being part of this community, for tuning in every week and uh, listening and learning, growing together with uh, me and my guests. And uh, if you need that reminder today, I want to say that I see you, I hear you, I feel you, and I love you. And I do believe that uh, we can do something little every day to create a better human experience for ourselves and each other in the professional environment that we are in. So until next week, have a great time and take care of yourself. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review, and share to help more people discover the show and become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.